Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar. You with me, Tim Roger, my co-host Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? You're very well. Um, I've got my Zubaz on this morning, rare outing for them in the off-season. So I was feeling in a Zubaz mood, <laughs> which is always yeah. good. Watched a bit of uh, film of some draft prospects this morning as well. So yeah, we're recording on uh, Sunday the 12th of March. And um, yeah, it's been fun to get into some tight end film over the last couple of days. So yeah, all good. And uh, nice. warming up for what is going to be a really interesting off-season. Hey, yeah, you no, definitely. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I was just going to touch on the, um, you know, talking about wearing the Zubaz and stuff. Like, how much you've been wearing, like, Bill's merch during the off-season so far? Like, because I'm wearing a Bill's hoodie for the first time in probably about a month, two months. Oh, really? Maybe. Like, it's been, oh, yeah, no. usually I try and find something, you know, every week I'm wearing at least something. But this off-season, I feel like uh, I've not been wearing much Bill's merch. So, uh, you're still rocking it and still representing. And... Yeah, most days. Yeah, most days. Most days, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I can nice. get away with it did... during a working day, I will do. I have, yeah. I mean, most half my wardrobe's Bill's stuff anyway. So, it's hard, yeah. it's hard to avoid. But no, I mean, if I'm out, and especially if it's cold, I'll be wearing a Bills uh, Bills beanie hat or something. Um, if it's sunny, I'll be wearing a Bills cap. Um, if, um, yeah, I'm at home working, I'll be wearing a Bills hoodie quite often or a Bills sweater or something. So, yeah, um, I, uh, I'm i pretty much an everyday guy as much as I possibly can yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I find it easier to wear Bill's merch, especially autumn and winter where it gets a bit colder. I do like wearing my hoodies, so just naturally a Bill's hoodie makes sense for me. I'm not a good, I don't look good in caps, so I try and avoid caps uh, as much as possible. Obviously in the summer when it's hot and you need a little bit of, uh, you know, you need to wear one, then I'll wear a Bill's one. But so I, How's that explain I, the rest of your wardrobe? You, you don't want good in any of it, so... <laughs> But hey, what's all, what's this all about? What, you know, this is off season. We're meant to be, you know, Ali. We're not meant to be like this, Charlie. Don't appreciate that. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, woolly hats. I love. I love wearing my woolly hats in the winter. So I've got, I think, two or three of those. So yeah, no good stuff. And uh, how are you get on with draft? Um, I process like how, uh, how many I'm positions have you really Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sort of or... skipping around a little bit just to keep keep the uh, variety high. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to look at my uh, my. Well, it's not even a big board at the moment. It's just a it's a it's a short list really. So um, let's see, yeah. uh, let's see now what I've got through so far. Um, I think I've tra- I've I've kind of scouted around. Yeah, about 25 players uh across running back tight end safety wide receiver those are the sort of mm-hmm. positions i've been focusing on mostly so yeah it's interesting i mean kind of early conclusions are that there's not a lot of top end talent at the wide receiver position um in terms of yeah. you know compare that to previous years um there's a couple of safeties that i really really like um brian branch especially i think would be a really solid first round pick for the bills if he was available i think there's a real variety of running back talent um obviously everyone's talked about um, you know, the, 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 the sort of famous guy in, um, um, escaping his Bijan. Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Um, from Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where he, he seems like a really all round, all round back, you know, somebody who's of sort of McCaffrey level, but the question is, is who would pick him and when, you know, <laughs> it's in a really tricky one, isn't it? Is he going to be available for the bills or not? I mean, people don't typically pick running backs that early, but, um, it seems that he'd be gone well gone before the Bills get there. Um, so anyway, I don't think he's necessarily exactly what the Bills need. I think, I mean, of course, you'd, you'd take him if he was available. Um, I'm sure of that. Yeah. But I think that the Bills are really looking for someone to compliment James Cook. And um, 
I suspect the needs are greater elsewhere, uh, to be honest, in terms of um, yeah, making best use of that sort of precious, precious draft capital. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's there's some interesting options. I'll be at some point I'll get into offensive line, and that's obviously a need. Um, what I will say is that in terms of some players that stood out, obviously mentioned B. John Robinson, but, but Jackson Nick Smith and Nick Jigbeer. I'll try and say that well. Jackson <laughs> Smith and Nick Jigbeer, JSN from, from now on. Um, I thought he was sort of a really, really nice slot prospect, a very um, dynamic guy, very shifty, uh, really high quality wide receiver. Probably my favorite wide receiver from what I've seen, to be honest. Um, I mentioned Brian Branch. Uh, and there's some really fun tight ends. Um, I was watching Dalton Kincaid this morning from Utah and, um, yeah, what a what a weapon he would be. I can't imagine the Bills would draft him. I don't think we need a tight end two that early in the draft that he, where he would go. But very dynamic player, you know, very athletic, more of a big wide receiver to be honest, rather than a sort of an inline blocker type tight end. Um, and then there's Darnell Washington, which everyone sort of there's a lot of buzz around because because he's, he's an enormous human being. And uh, yeah. again, sort of tricky to say when he'd go. I mean, it, it's it's he it feels like a a round three prospect, but. He's got such sort of attractive physical traits. You can imagine someone maybe going a little bit early on him, especially someone with a, with a you know whole hunk of draft pick. So, yeah, it's been fun so far. I guess if that if I have a different disappointment, there's not a huge amount of top end wide receiver talent. So, for yeah. the Bills to get their wide receiver too, um, it's more likely that they'll they'll be picking in the second and third rounds. I think um, mm-hmm. if they were to to go down the draft route. So yeah, but interesting as always. How are you yeah. getting with your, your draft process? Yeah, I was just going to touch on one. It's interesting like how our process slightly differs. Like, We'll go into this more because we do plan to do another uh, draft draft guide for dummies type episode at some point uh, between now and the draft. Um, earlier the better, obviously, to give people some time to you know study some film and implement some of this stuff. But um, usually, like what my process has been before this season, I kind of use like TDN, like uh, you know other sources, NFL, Daniel Jeremiah, those kind of guys, and get like the consensus, like first round players, watch them regardless of what position, and then that would kind of allow me to put. Um, you know, set my like benchmark against all of the like main positions that are strong in this draft. Whereas this season, I've not done it quite like that. Uh, I've done it position by position. So I have scouted 37 players so far, but 14 of those are running backs and 19 of them are wide receivers. So I'm kind of going through it like position by position, watching them all so I could see like clearly in my mind, like back to back to back, like which one of these players do I like? Why do I like them? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Evaluating them that way. So yeah, I'm like focusing at the moment on the offensive uh, playmakers. So I will be getting on to tight end next, um, as well as O-line. I'll kind of do O-line and tight end together, not because necessarily the blocking side of things. obviously you'll see O-line scouting. <laughs> exactly. That's it. At least I'll see some, you know, someone making catches and not just blocking and pancaking dudes and, you know, or climbing to second level, all this kind of stuff. Because, yeah, I'm going to get quite bored quite quickly. Like, it's hard to keep yourself enthusiastic and uh, motivated to watch O-line film. Like, but it is a real need for the Bills, clearly. And I'd like to identify some sleepers, some guys that aren't necessarily being talked about, day two, day three types of picks that will make sense for the Bills. So I'm definitely going to go to that level. So that is next. Uh, and that's probably where we'll start, I think, as well, when we like, look at the draft and we talk about prospects. Like, I think last time we kind of grouped for position groups. I think we talked about three, three positions um, per side of the ball 
per episode. So I think we had like four episodes in total to cover all the positions. Mm. So I think we'll probably do something similar. We'll probably start with offense because I feel like we've got a better feel for that so far. And then we'll probably transition to defense uh, later on. So no, I'm really looking, I'm excited. Like, as you said, the wide receivers, you know, the top end of a talent, um, top end, it's a bit disappointing. Like there is like, you know, four or five guys that are talked about as first round potentially. I don't think they'll all make it. Um, you know, they'll all get selected in the first round. I think a few of those will be available uh, at the top of uh, round two, um, but it's not strong. I'd like to go back and look at my other wide receiver grades and kind of see where Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you've got as your wide receiver one, he's my wide receiver one. I'd like to see where he stacks against like, the previous draft class. Um, but yeah, I feel like even though it's I think, weak oh, at the top, I, I, there I think are... he probably like we've fifth maybe <laughs> probably um, probably yeah, yeah he's not really an outside guy so much he's more of a sort of uh, you know shifty slots um space guy which actually i think is absolutely what we need but yeah, yeah. i think in terms of just all-round dynamic playmakers he would he would not be in the top four or five right. in the last draft or two i would say that doesn't mean he's not really exciting and yeah, absolutely could be a wide, yeah could be a very effective yeah. wide receiver too for us but i think you know, compared to previous drafts, I think the sort of the top three at least of high end wide receiver talent, I think will be well above him. That's just my, yeah. my gut feel from from memory. Definitely. All okay. Right. So shall we get into what we're here for today? So last episode we went through position by position, the offense talked about you know, where we think if we do anything where do we think you know we're more likely to go down what route you know if it's going to be free agency if it's going to be draft um could it even be both and depending what type of need is uh, and we'll do that today so at the end as well we'll go through and just talk about our top five on defense um and then i don't know if you've done this charlie we talked about it but combining those top five for offense and defense to just see seeing how that's stacked out have you done anything like that or um, um in terms of uh, in terms of the top them? five no i haven't yet but maybe we can do that yeah. today i mean maybe we can do it it's uh yeah, yeah. As, we're, as we're going awesome. through we'll see we'll see how it, how, it, how it looks how it stacks out that's yep. it that's good good stuff so we'll start then so for defense i put d line together so edge and defensive tackle so how do you feel about this position group well, it's a really tricky one because I think there's a lot of negativity floating around this D-line. Um, but actually, I think the top, the first four choices in their relative positions, which is you know Von Miller and Gregory Rousseau at the edge, uh, De, um, Decon Jones and, and Ed Oliver in uh, defensive tackle positions, I think is very, very solid. I think it's a top 10 defensive line uh, in the league, If it, maybe even a little bit higher. I'd I think the production when it was there together was was good as well, and even when we had Phillips uh, rotating in and out, I think that was that was really solid. So, um, my feeling is that that is actually very acceptable, and I'd be quite happy with that rolling that into that in 2023. But the problem is, well, the problems are threefold. I think the first one is that the depth behind that there's a massive gap between your second choice and third choice defensive end and your second choice and third choice defensive tackle. And I don't think we can count on, on Jordan Phillips being back and fit. Um, uh, Shaq Lawson obviously had a contributed, but you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. Um, I thought um, Seto was a disappointment. Interesting to see that he uh, had a yeah. restructure yesterday. Um, and obviously Miller is, is getting old in years and, and isn't necessarily going to play every game. So, it's it's really difficult. I so I think that the first choice is is good, but the depth is is very poor, and I think that that's what's causes a problem. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about should you, ha- you know, are we rotating too much, and 
I think the Bills are fairly average in terms of the amount that they actually rotate their line. But the problem is, is because the second tier is so much weaker than the first tier, that's that's a big drop off. And I think um, that's where the Bills have some problems is you know, the biggest needs in this, this offseason are going to improve that depth. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think all of that is valid. Um, you know, I feel like, well, let's just start by saying that all of the guys bar Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, they're under contract. So I'm actually happy to be, bring both back because they will be, you know, depth, you know, cheap players that we can have and rotate. And I think they do a good job, both of them, if they can stay injury free. Um I just wonder, though, like you talk through all of the players in those position groups and, you know, we've seen with AJ Epinesa, he had like six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, but I feel like that was kind of secondary sacks. And, you know, I didn't think he was a true, you know, um, you, I don't think he's a viable uh, edge player long term. Like I think after this season, he's on his fourth year. You know, I can't see us bringing him back because I don't think he's developed um, as we expected when we picked him in, in the 50s uh, a few years back. You look at Boogie Basham, just had two years in the league, and there's not really any development there. Um, and then Ed Oliver, you look at him, you know, he's not becoming the productive free tech we all hoped for. My concern is looking at this position group when you factor in Von Miller, he's under contract for a number of years, but, you know, we, 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 we can't get out of that deal for two years. So he'll be with us for at least two years. But after that, like... If he retires, you know, what's going to happen long term? Like just overall with this D-line, I'm not too sure because, you know, Ed Oliver, you know, this week he's talking about, you know, he wants to get paid, but has his production warranted him getting paid? I don't think so. We both really like the player. I think we both even have his jersey, but, you know, I'm not satisfied about, you know, paying him long term. He's he's already got our eighth highest cap hit, obviously, with a fifth year option. I'm not entirely happy with that, but, you know, it is what it is. I think he's still a solid starter and he's still worth paying that money. But I just look overall, like, really, what is the long-term plan this D-line? Like, Greg Rousseau, I think he's a serviceable edge, too. I think he'll, you know, he's got, you know, upside to become a very good edge, too. We've seen that in flashes the last two seasons. You know, he's under contract for another two seasons, so he's definitely going to be part of this this team. But, you know, do we expect him to get to those levels where he's consistently a eight-sack type of player? Um, I think there is hope there. So he's the only kind of guy I look at and think, yeah, I can see, you know, in three years' time, for example, you know, he's going to be there. Um, because hopefully he'll be in his fifth year um, fifth year then. But uh, everyone else, I'm, there's question marks. And I'm a little bit nervous when we look at this position group and think, you know, in two seasons' time, what does this look like? What What's the succession plan? Like, there's no surefire blue chip players that I look at outside of Gregory Rousseau and say, yeah, they're going to be on this team. Um, so that's why I think, and we know, you know, Brandon Bean, we've seen it, you know, D-line and pass rushes, especially at edge. He considers that a premium position and he's willing to invest not only in the draft, but in free agency as well. So I definitely think that Bean will have those same concerns. And, you know, we could, yeah, free agency, we, we know where we are with a cap. We're not going to spend any more money after the Von Miller acquisition. But in the draft, I could still see them rolling the dice because it is such a premium position. You know, you saw... You know, again, another postseason goes by and you see that, you know, they're they're okay. They're getting some pressure, but they're not quite getting the sacks needed to, you know, uh, get the ball back, you know, and and stop the other team scoring. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, if we're going to go a route, it's going to be through the draft. And I'd like to think that if we are going to draft an edge player, 
you know, rather than these AJ Epinesas, the Boogie Bashams, bigger build kind of guys, but they're not necessarily the most explosive. Um, you know, they're kind of pocket yeah. pushes, but they don't really push for pocket. Like Boogie Basham's meant to be like a, you know, one of these, you know, 280 pound guys, you know, dictating the tackle, yeah. mm-hmm. you yeah. know, ball rushes them, you know, applies pressure that way. He doesn't do that. You know, I want to see some, you know, bendy speed rusher players like a Von Miller type who's got the bend and the speed and the burst. You know, you look in the draft, there's Will McDonald Jr., BJ O'Jolari, Tennessee's Byron Young. They're all about 240 pounds. They've got really good athletic profiles. They can bend um you know will they be instant you know difference makers i don't think so but again you've got to keep rolling the dice with this position yeah Um, i I think that the the history tells you that really top level edge rushers don't come from the anything late in the first 15 picks so when you're picking 27 um you know the the chances are of someone being available that's going to turn out to be a top level edge it's just a really really rare skill set basically and that's that's why it's so difficult so um i mean could i could we imagine them trading up i don't know i I think that's a that's a big big ask especially given the amount of needs there are across this team and and the salary cap stuff if anything they want to be trading down I think the challenge of trading down is it's because there is a bit of a, a weakness at the top of this draft is that I'm not sure there's going to be many pe- many teams that want to come up. Um, and so I think it's going to be difficult to find a good draft partner. So I, I think that drafting a, an edge rusher and expecting them to turn out to be something special is is going to be a long shot. I think it's a real problem. Um, and I'm not sure how we, we get out of that. I, I think that, yeah, but I, I generally agree with your principle, which is if we could find a traitsy, maybe super raw, bendy, some somebody who maybe just has the traits that of, of an outside uh, speed rusher guy, then that might be a way that they go. But perhaps super raw, maybe needing a you know a bit more years under their belt. That that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think it's a real big problem, and I'm, I'm not I'm generally not sure how they solve it because I don't think they're gonna have the money to draft anyone that's going to be a significant contributor through free agency, um, not with everything else that we need. I mean, the other thing that we're, not, we're going to move on to linebacker in a second, but the other thing that's kind of interesting in the mix here is that <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds, you know, hasn't signed a new deal yet. Um, we don't know what that might look like. Um, there's obviously rumblings that he might go. Personally, I think that's mostly agent-led. I think we're going to wait and see how it plays out. But is it possible that they've decided, well, Maybe the the path is instead of spending that money on Tremaine Edmonds, yeah. we trade for another uh, edge rusher. Um, you know, someone who we're maybe spending ten to twelve million a year on instead of spending the money on Edmonds, and we go and draft a a, a middle linebacker. Um, in, in, I think there's there's maybe some some answers. I think Jack Anderson's a name that's been sort of mooched around. Um, are they thinking something like that as as a as a path? Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a real dilemma, and I think it's gonna be fascinating. Most interesting part of the off season for me is what they do there. Yeah, and when you look at you know the fact we're paying Matt Milano as well, like we we'll go straight to linebackers. We're paying Matt Milano. If we pay Tremaine Edmonds, that will automatically become the you know we would become the team that's spending the most on linebackers. And you look mm-hmm. at, I think a lot of the teams are gonna have the Eagles. Um, you know, start looking at what the Eagles are doing. Like they don't pay linebackers, they don't use premium draft picks on linebackers, yet they still got to the Super Bowl because they had really strong trenches on either side of the ball. I feel like, you know, maybe even we might see some uh, change in philosophy from from the Bills. And, you know, Bean might be looking at that and thinking, well, you know, rather than pay Tremaine Edmonds all this money, you know, I look at this free agency class and you look at Levante David and Bobby Wagner, who's just been released, you know, they'd be the perfect stopgap linebackers. Um, and they project at roughly 10 million, you know, 
would you rather pay Tremaine Edmonds 20 million a season or um, pay those guys 10 million? Um, that's going to be a real discussion point, I think, because that 10 million that we'd save, you know, could be well spent on other position groups uh, that are premium positions like edge rusher, like um, O-line, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not necessarily advocating for the fact that, you know, you know, it's Levante, David, Bobby Wagner, their ages, they're going to be, you know, two years at best kind of guys. Um but they could look at that and think, well, you know, we'll have a view of replacing Tremaine Edmund longer term for short term or bring in one of those guys and they'll be able to be a serviceable linebacker. So um, it'll be interesting. I do think, though, that despite all of that, despite me saying that, you know, Bean might look at what the Eagles have done. He might change his philosophy. We've seen, based on what they've invested at linebacker so far, the fact that they brought back Matt Milano, the fact that they, you know, drafted Tremaine Edmonds in the first place uh, in round one, one of their first uh, draft picks. I think that they are going to value that Mike linebacker position and especially yeah. a veteran presence. So if they can't afford Tremaine Edmonds, that's why I do think that, you know, they're going to be looking at a linebacker in free agency if they can't bring back Tremaine Edmonds as opposed to the draft. Because first of all, the draft itself looks a really weak class for linebackers. There's yeah, no J- consensus. Jack Campbell was the guy I meant, not Jack Anderson. <laughs> Jack, Jack Campbell. Campbell okay. Yeah, yeah. So I did he's... wonder who you meant then. <laughs> so, but... Yeah, Jack Jack Campbell. He's the guy who sort of tre- tested very, very well at the um, at the, the combine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to go up draft boards a little bit. I suspect he's sort of a t- second round pick kind of guy. But he would fit. He would fit, you know, that middle line back a mold. He's a six, six, five, sort of two forty, two fifty pound guy. Um, I think he's an interesting prospect. But yeah, like you say, they're going to have to pick a path here. They're either going to have to say, right, we're going to go all in on linebacker and bring back Edmonds, or they're going to spend that money somewhere else. And it would make sense to yeah. spend it on the line, um, as we've talked about. So, and I'm okay with kind of either of those approaches, but I have a sense that they might be thinking, let's let Edmonds walk and, and use that money um, to, to, you know, enrich the rest of it. And as you say, no, there's actually not that many teams that pay linebacker. It's starting to become less and less of a premium position. Yeah. Just one last nugget on the uh, linebacker that I want to bring up. So Terrell Bernard, third round pick last year. We're all disappointed by the fact that we really saw him on special teams in his rookie year. And we're all disappointed that we didn't see him, you know, have a specialised role. He looked good as a blitzer at Baylor, you know, maybe in space. You kind of even proposed to, before the season started that they might look to play him at safety and kind of, you know, he could become like a long-term mm. player at that position. Surely they didn't draft him in the third round at six foot, 220 pounds as insurance to potentially replace six foot five, 250 pound Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. Did they? No. Surely not. But then it does make me question, like, and, and we've talked about this a few times, but like, why did they draft him? Because if you're not going to play him in a specialised role, maybe in his rookie season, maybe we'll see it in his sophomore season, who knows? But, you know, what was what was the plan there, you know, to, to draft to up and up? Nobody like, knows. <laughs> this, that's why I'm I worry. I'm surprised that nobody, I don't feel like any journalist has asked this question either. Yeah. You know, what was your plan? Because it seems like such premium such a premium pick for such an odd, odd position. Um, and I said, this is nothing personal against Terrell Bernard. I just don't understand what no. the Bills are thinking. It makes much more sense to me that they were thinking, oh, maybe he could be a strong safety than it does a middle linebacker. I just, I just don't see that. Um, is there a chance they want to move Matt Milano to middle linebacker? Um, I, I physically, he's obviously quite a different player to Tremaine Edmonds. 
I mean, Tremaine Edwards is a unicorn, right? In terms of his physical traits, he's not easy to find people that are as physically imposing as Tremaine Edmonds. Um, so I just don't know. That's why. <laughs> it just doesn't make doesn't any make sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. But because we've got no clues and we, we, we didn't see him play at all last year, it just makes me think, well, if you're not going to use him and we've got no clues as to play, you know, as uh, as to what his usage is going to be moving forward, could that have been insurance? That's the worry in my mind. Like it's unfair to say. I find it like, hard to believe. Know, yeah, I find it hard to believe too. But it's worth bringing up so, to say, you know, could they think they've got a replacement in house? Is all I'm trying to say, and here, I really hope that's not the case. But here's a pure hypothetical, right? Maybe they were thinking he eventually could be the strong safety, maybe the Jordan Poyer type replacement. But they wanted him to be playing with Micah Hyde. They needed Micah Hyde's brain on the field because they knew this mm. would be a sort of tricky transition Micah Hyde gets injured and that kind of vetoes that plan of being able to play with him and obviously he wouldn't play him with Poya that just you know kind of there's sort of two similar traits I suppose that's the only thing I can think of that makes any kind of vague sense and they never intended to to extend Poya and then you know obviously Poya gets all those injuries although I think has a reasonable season what not one of his best seasons um you know, it, it just changed, they forced them to change their plan, and maybe he wasn't quite as well developed as they as they thought he was, and and so it sort of slowed down his development. I mean, maybe this, I, I don't know. It it seems insane to me that they did they made that pick without some kind of clear plan. This team is very very deliberate, but I just for the life of me, I can't see what it is. Mm. But yeah, I mean, but linebacker is a is a is a problem. Um, then this to me is my my top. Um, yeah, need for same. the Bills on 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 defense, which is what are we going to do about middle linebacker? Um, it has to, like you say, I, I'm not adverse than them bringing in a free agent to replace Jermaine Edmonds and spending that money elsewhere. I think that's a perfectly reasonable plan. Um, but there's not a huge amount of depth there anyway um, behind Matt Milano. Um, it's just it's it's a real puzzle for me, and I'm okay if they decide we're going to deprioritize little linebacker, having had it be really a priority for us for these last sort of four or five years. But we're going to we're going to just take the the defensive shape in a slightly different direction, and that's okay. And I think we'll we'll learn for it very soon. I think that whatever happens in free agency will tell us the answers we're looking for. And if they don't bring in a sort of reasonably again middle tier middle linebacker, we know they're going to be drafting somebody. They're essentially they're deprioritizing that position, and they'll spend the money elsewhere. If they do bring in a sort of uh, you know high level guy, somebody perhaps cheaper than Edmonds, maybe a little bit more wise, perhaps. Um, if not with the same physical traits, then um, maybe they want to try to stick and they're just trying to be as, as economically uh, prudent as possible. But yeah, this yeah. this next couple of weeks is really going to tell us a lot about what they want the shape of this defense to be, even without all the pieces of the puzzle being completed. Yeah. Okay, so if we go to cornerback then, so I'll quickly touch on this. I think this is actually a sneaky need, not necessarily one of our top needs, but when you look at the position group, the fact that Dane Jackson is a uh, unrestricted free agent after this season, um, Christian Benford has potentially been earmarked as someone, you know, Brandon Bean, think I mentioned I think he mentioned it in his end of season presser to say that he could be a solution there at safety. He could transition to become uh, Jordan Poy's replacement. If you took those two guys out of a room, clearly we've got, you know, our cornerbacks one and two in Tredavious White and uh, Kyrie Elam. But then you look at the depth behind that and Taron Johnson clearly is our, our starting nickel. You look at the depth behind those three guys. Um, there's not really any depth if Benford was to transition to a safety and Dane Jackson was to walk. So I do feel like 
it is a, potentially a need. You know, you look at all of these position groups. I said right at the start on our last podcast, like you look at every single position group on this roster and there is uh, a path to at least us, you know, using draft capital or spending in free agency on it. So um, I don't know. What do you think about cornerback? Because clearly we've got like our, you know, starting guys, but I do feel like, you know, there is a need to sign some more depth. I mean, I think it's a possibility they, they sign somebody in the in the later rounds, but I don't think it's not it's not on my top five needs simply because no, I think we've same. got our three first three starters nailed down. Yeah. You know, uh, we got both cornerbacks and uh, nickelback um, uh, nickel cornerbacks selected. I mean, it, it's and I think those three are, are really solid, um, and I think we actually have in Christian Benford a perfectly reasonable um, cornerback four. So I'm pretty comfortable with the cornerback position. In fact, actually. When you wind it up against the rest of the position groups across the roster, I think it's one of our strongest. Um, so, yeah, could they pick up a, a cornerback in the fifth, sixth, seventh round because they see somebody drop who they like? Absolutely, uh, useful depth. But is it one of my top five needs? Nope. Do I expect them to sign in on a free agency? Not really. Um, not certainly not someone yeah. who's going to be challenging to start. So, actually, it's one of the one the, the areas that I feel the best about <laughs> across the entire roster. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I haven't got it in my top five defensive needs as well. I'm just highlighting um, that, you know, there could be a path is, to us actually yeah. drafting something. And it is a strong draft class. There's a lot of Without long, big, physical uh, cornerbacks, which our pal Saul will uh, appreciate watching a film on all of those. But, you know, I, I think this is a strong draft class. And we've seen from Brandon Bean, you know, he's invested two first round picks uh, in quarterbacks, Tredavious White and Caillou Elam, quarterbacks one and two. And then various day three picks as well. You talked about Toron Johnson, he was a round four pick. Christian Benford and Dane Jackson are both round six, seven players. So we've got, you know, production from those guys. So you're absolutely right. We could see someone drafted by Bean on, on day three that comes in and, uh, you know, has a role for this team, even in their rookie season, if if we have a few injuries. So I'm very confident in their ability to select only one of a few areas, I'd have to say, that I'm actually confident in the uh, Bills, you know, either drafting or signing someone in free agency because they've always found a way to get production from those guys. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's enough for cornerback. Okay, so we're now transition to safety. So what are your thoughts on safety, Charlie? Well, I don't think there's any hope that Jordan Poy is coming back. Um, I think he's simply going to want too much money. Um, you know, we heard him complaining the other day about his, you know, wanting to be in a state where uh, where yeah. he didn't take half his income in taxes, which I don't know. I understand why people would want to get paid and get paid as much as they possibly can, but it seemed like a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a tone deaf statement to me. I mean, you know, especially in a state which has had such big problems this last year. You know, there's tax there's tax dollars paid to help uh people through the storms and, and recover from the you know that tragic shooting. You know, where, where do you think that money's going? Um I don't know. It just seemed mm. like a, a bit of a slightly crass statement, but you know, probably not deliberately thought through, but just you know, rich people complaining about not being rich enough to always always kind of <laughs> charge with me, not honestly. Yeah. yeah, it's just a little bit of like I don't know, just it seemed a little crass. Um but obviously he he has ideas to move on and I'm fine with that. I think you know he's not getting any younger, although he's been a terrific player for the bills i think his uh his injury history this last year has sort of indicated that his physical capabilities are maybe on the wane um we obviously hope to have fully fit and firing micah high back you know there was a chance he was going to play in, in the later stages of the playoffs if we got any further you know as, as everybody well knows i'm a massive micah high fan i've got his jersey i think he's just a tremendous player he's one of my my favorite bills honestly um and i think if he's anything like the, the normal micah high then we're in, in good shape but there is a risk that there's quite a lot of upheaval at this position and and a guy coming off a long-term injury 
that we're in, uh, we, we could be struggling. And, and this is one of the reasons why I think um, safety could well be our first draft pick. Um, I think there's a reasonable chance that we pick a safety in the first round. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be against it. I think there's some really interesting talent at the top of the safety class. Uh, Brian Branch, I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> Do I see them doing something in free agency? Maybe, maybe a bit of depth. Um, I can see that. But I think... Um, we know we don't have a lot of money to spend, so I suspect this will be a position that they look to try and add through the draft rather than through free agency. And you know, there's talk of Christian Benford maybe being trained to, to be a safety. Sure, um, if that's what they think they want to do, great. Um, is uh, is Christian Benford an answer there? Maybe I don't know. It, it feels all a little bit uncertain at safety, and so I think what they're going to want is an, an early round draft pick, a day one, day two draft pick alongside my guide as they're starting to next season. That's my my, my feeling. And I, I think if they do anything in free agency, it'll be more in the depth spaces than 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 the starting positions. How do you feel mm. about it? So I feel like a lot of these position groups we're talking about were saying just because, you know, we know where we are of a cap space. We're, what, 19 million uh, over a cap and we need to do a bit of work to get that under. Um but it feels like we're saying all of these positions have to be done by the draft. I feel like this is one of the positions in safety that they might actually, you know, all options are open kind of thing. So in-house, you know, you talked about the Christian Benford project, you know, from his, uh, you know, his college career playing at Villanova, playing cornerback, starting at cornerback, uh, which is his familiar position in the NFL's rookie season. He'd done a good job. I feel like it might be a tall order to transition and, begin playing a new position and becoming a strata straight away. Maybe that's a longer term view, maybe for day uh, for year three, you know, that's something that they could, you know, work towards. You know, I had some optimism um, during last season before the, the tragic Bengals incident that DeMar Hamlin could actually be a viable long-term replacement, but with his help, um, who knows if and when he'll be available. Um, so yeah, it could even be in house, um, free agency I haven't ruled out because of how with the success that we had from signing Mike Hyde and Jordan Poyer in free agency. Now I know that, you know, at that point we had more cap space and we're able to you know spend more money, make more uh, roll the dice more on some free agent prospects. But just how we've developed those two players in particular, uh, and this secondary, I do think that even we could find a diamond in the rough in free agency. Someone that, you know, in their rookie under their rookie contract, they might not have performed to expectations or there's room to grow there. You know, uh, they've got an athletic profile, at least that get, we could see some better production from. So I was looking at the free agents and I thought, well, if we keep Tremaine Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds, his brother uh, is a impending free agent. Now I know he's not been super productive at the Steelers. Um, I know that for sure, but his athletic profile, he's just as athletic as uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Smaller this, guy, obviously, a bit more explosive. But his it, average annual value on spot rack was four and a half million, uh, five and a half. So yeah, I feel like there could be that range. value, yeah. yeah, value add there. And then Nasir Adley or jo- uh, Jordan Love uh, from the Chargers and Giants, respectively, their uh, average annual value expected is eight million. Now, again, we talked about the cap, but I feel like you know, so safeties, you know, it's a um, cheaper position generally to pay for. And, you know, there's some players there that have been second round draft picks. They've, you know, got ability. Maybe they see one of those guys as someone that could come in and they can get some more out of. And as you said, you know, the draft's always an option. There are some options, as you said, you know, day two, uh, day one, even, yeah. you know, round one. Um, so I think the other thing we haven't mentioned is I that... I think all the cards on the table. 
yeah, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were not Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer before they joined the Bills. You know, um, exactly. If you speak to people who are Packers fans, they all seem really like Micah Hyde, but he's more of an outside, you know, corner guy. Corner, with, with, yeah. with, you know, and he, and he didn't say have the. He's not necessarily the quickest guy, but his brilliant football brain means that he can play safety so so well at sort of Pro Bowl level. And I think that it's possible that the Bills see somebody who's you know um, like they're seeing maybe in. Um, uh, it, 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 well, let me let me take a slight step back. It's very possible that they look at the, the wider free agency class and see a kind of underappreciated outside corner that they think that they can coach and turn into a top level Pro Bowl safety. Well, you and I are not going to spot that. <laughs> we're, not, no. we're not going to see that. You know, we don't have their eyes. We don't have their coaching abilities. Um, but I'm not. It's not beyond the realms. They do something weird at safety and you kind of don't really see it and it becomes clear later. You know, I have tremendous confidence that this this coaching team can can coach up defensive backs. You know, that, that's what the evidence has shown. So um, Demar Hamlin, I think it's really difficult. At the moment, I was kind of expecting him to not play. I mean, that's kind of my default. That's, that's absolutely his decision and what he does. I don't think we can make any assumptions whether he's there or he's not there. If he comes back, fantastic. But we just don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in or he's going to have missed a lot of football, a lot of his development. And I don't know. It's very difficult for me to think um, that Demar Hamlin's going to have a big, crucial role for us next year until we hear something else from the Bills or from the guy himself. So I'm kind of almost putting him out of my brain, but he is part of the equation. I'm sure he is, but eventually, you know, he's going to come to a decision about what he wants to do with his, his future. But as I said, I think that it, it could well be that we just, they do something that's sort of not something that's perhaps we would, we would, we would just see in this position. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Okay. Shall we do our top five then for defense? Yeah. And then we'll do a combined so, stacked top 10. I'll I do really that one first. toyed with the idea in terms of, Who's who's my first top top pick in uh, in terms of the defense? And eventually, I've, I've come down on middle linebacker. Um, yeah, simply because I think it's the biggest hole. And until we know what's happening with Tremaine Edmonds, it's, it's really hard to look at any other way. I mean, it could be safety, but uh, we don't know what kind of shape that they're looking to pursue. So for right now, if we're going like for like, as middle linebacker, I've then got safety as uh, my second biggest need. Obviously, the big hole generated by Jordan Poyer. I've got backup three technique as my third need, somebody to replace Jordan Phillips. I, I think that he he actually contributed quite nicely when he was fit last year. And I think with Ed Oliver being yeah. that smaller guy and, you know, uh, if we were to miss any games with Deacon Jones, I think we need somebody who, who's a bigger bodied guy who can contribute there. I think that's something that we could pick up in the draft or in, in free agency quite easily, a backup three tech. Um, I've got backup defensive end as my uh, fourth choice. I don't really know how we solve this problem, honestly. I think this is a really, really difficult one. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. But for sure, unless we see some significant development from AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, which feels unlikely at this stage, then I'm struggling to see uh, how we, we really round that room out. And my fifth one, I've actually got as backup one tech because I'm not I'm not comfortable with Tim Settle. I don't I don't think he's the player that I was hoping he was going to be, uh, the guy we signed from Washington. And I think that... Decon Jones going out would be a big, big loss. If everybody else in that defensive line, that first choice line is 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 available and Decon Jones is out, I think the whole thing kind of falls in on itself. I think we would lose an awful lot. I think it was one of the best free agent signs from last season. And I think we need a better backup. Uh, but it is my fifth choice. Um how do you how do your choices play out? So my um your top five, um, I've got all of the same needs. Mm-hmm. I've got it, got it. Um, just ranked a little bit differently. So the top two, I've gone exactly the same way. Middle linebacker, it's the more 
um, vital position on this defense. You know, they they have been our leader on defense, our signal caller. Um, so middle linebacker's top for me. Second, safety. Um, third, I've gone with edge. So my thinking there is if Von Miller, based on his age, if he misses more time, if he gets another injury next year, we kind of saw that without him, you know, it really impacted our whole D-line, but especially our edge position, because that then made Gregory Rousseau the, the focus uh, for double teams and that, that kind of stuff. So, and, and uh, running backs chipping at them and that kind of thing. So I feel like edge, because even though we have Von Miller, even though we have Gregory Rousseau, I don't have a confidence in AJ Panessa and Boogie Basham uh, to be anything more than what we've seen already. Um, and then, yeah, defensive tackle. One tech I've got slightly ahead just because Daquan Jones, um, it feels like he's our only real one tech that I have confidence in. Uh, I look at Tim Settle. He's kind of that in-betweener. You know, he can kind of do, he can rush for passer, but he can, well, sorry, he's meant to rush for passer but, and stop the run. But it felt like uh, he wasn't able to do both with uh, much success for all last season. So it did make me think like, you know, you look at Vernon Butler and how poorly he performed in his first season, yet they brought him back. Like, they're not ready to just, like, cut ties with the guys that have failed to deliver on their first years. They're willing to give them chances, aren't they? Which just a very, just going off on the tangent, that kind of surprised me in some ways that, you know, they found a way to, to do that restructure. They're, 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 they seem very loyal to their guys. If they bring them in, you know, they expect them to do their job. Um, they don't just cut them after a season, which I find quite interesting. But uh, yeah, so defensive tackle, uh, one tech is fourth, and then defensive tackle, three tech is my fifth. We've got Ed Oliver there. I think will be Jordan, Poy- uh, Jordan Phillips back. So in theory, with those two guys, we should be okay. But long term, you know, Ed Oliver's playing on his fifth year deal. Jordan Poyer, Bloody hell, Jordan Poyer. Too many Jordans on this team, especially <laughs> on defense. Jordan Phillips is clearly if he if he if he's brought back, is on the one year. He'll be on the one year deal. So that is a need. So yeah, that's how I've stacked it. Um, do you want me to give my combined top ten? Yeah, you're going to give through yours. Yeah, yep. see how similar. So this is again merging all of our uh, offense and defensive top fives together and creating our top 10. So top for me is the top two in defence. So Mike Linebacker, if Tremaine Edmonds goes, that is a huge hole in this team. Safety, if Jordan Poyer goes as we expect, that's another big hole in this team. And then the next three are my top ones on offence. So left guard, wide receiver two, right tackle. Um, Sixth for me is edge. Seventh, defensive tackle, one tech. Eighth is defensive tackle, three tech. Nine, running back two. And ten, tight end two. So that's how I've got it stacked. So trenches make up five of my top ten needs. Six, if you count for tight end two, because obviously they might play a bit more in line, they might block. Um, Top two are obvious gaps if meaningful defensive leaders have left. Uh, And then the next three after that are offense. So as I kind of outlined uh, at the start with the offense, um, on the last episode, I said, like, I want to see some more, you know, picks and some more value uh, investments going towards our offense. You look at our wide receivers, all of them have come from, you know, day three backgrounds. Clearly, we've traded round one pick for Stefan Diggs, but the guys that we brought in, they're all, you know, day three guys. Our O line, I think the only um, day two or day, you know, Round one guy has been Cody Ford. You know, we've not really invested much in our uh, offensive line. So there are areas that I really want to see us look at is the trenches, uh, more so on the offense as well. So 
How about right. you? How have you so, got stacked? Uh, just to try and make it easier for the for the listeners, I think in terms of where we're similar, I think we've got um, guard and uh, safety in relatively high positions. I think we've got three tech, defensive end, one tech, all in very similar positions lower down. But uh, mine is a little different. I've gone for the more on the offensive flavor <laughs> because I think okay. that at the end of the day, you can always outscore uh, another team, especially you've got Josh Allen. So I've got even if that means our defense goes a little weaker. Um, so I've got wide receiver two as my first pick, uh, somebody, wow. a guard who can move to center, maybe a second pick. Then I've got linebacker, then I've got safety. Um, so basically we swap those sort of two groups yeah. around. Then I've got running back two. Um, so because I, I think we're actually really light there. And I think that um, they they definitely will fill that hole Um in the free agency, the draft. I think this is a this is a, a critical one. There's no way we can go into next season with Naeem Hines and, and James Cook. Um, I think we we need somebody who's going to spread the load with Josh Allen. Obviously, since we did our offensive um, preview, people like Derek David Deacon. Uh, I'll try again. <laughs> Derek Henry. <laughs> Derek Henry has been. Uh, is going to be yeah. um, available. Uh, Saquon Barkley was tagged by the Giants. Um, Derek Henry's cap hit is not terrible. Um, the thought of seeing him playing and sharing a backfield with, with, with Josh Allen and James Cook is actually yeah. really attractive. I can't yeah. believe the Bills will do it. I just can't believe they'll do it. But, I mean, how exciting. What do you think that? that? What do, is it just purely the positional value? Positional value, and, yeah. And the needs on the yeah, team? yeah. I just think yeah. they're too analytical. Uh, I think that, you know, what fans want and what they, fans will find appealing and what looks flashy yeah. is is different to what, what the, what the way the bills think and i think they're they're right you know the reason they get paid all this money but wow it'd be fun wouldn't it i mean can you imagine so yeah, um you know, still a very very productive running back I, I do worry about our offensive line's ability to take advantage of him <laughs> but yeah. um he's still a very very good player so um so then i've got quarterback two which i don't think you have on your list um which yeah, um, no, is definitely that's my sixth need. Just you know, again because it's Josh Allen goes down, we're we're in we're in dire straits really at the moment. Um, then I've got three tech defensive end, one tech, and I've got swing tackle as my tenth pick. So I think we're pretty similar overall. But as I said, I think mine's got a slightly more offensive weight towards it than yours. Um, but yeah, very similar yeah. top ten o- overall. Oh, Excellent. It's, good. it's been well, fun it's doing that. Yeah, it has. It together and, it, and talking through it. And I think it's going to give us a bit of a focus through the free agency period to see what pieces of the puzzle they put into which which slots and what kind of pace you know normally the bills will try to get as many answers to the questions through free agency as they possibly can and then complement that with the draft i think we're getting to a situation with a cap though that we might need to go a little bit more draft heavy and i think that the the free agency picks might be a little bit less um less sexy but who knows you know we've heard brad and boyd being lied to us in the past and <laughs> let's maybe he'd lie to us again now <laughs> Um, as I said, if someone like a uh, Derek Henry ends up on the Bills, well, that would be that would be quite something. Um, but it would change it would change the scheme. It would change the way in which the Bills play. You know, you're going to give him touches of the ball, but wow, it would be fearsome backfield, that's for sure. Uh, it would lessen our yeah, need for a, for another wide receiver, uh, sort of top level as well. Um, so there are some some advantages, but. Yeah, um, fascinating off season ahead, and a lot of work to do for for Brandon Bean and the staff to to get their teeth into. Excellent yeah. stuff. No, it's exciting. Um, just maybe quickly before we end, what have you made of the sort of recent um, you know, quarterback maneuvers in the NFL? It's been, yeah. it's been a hell of a week, hasn't it, with Derek Carr settling down at the Saints, Daniel Jones getting paid. Um, looks fairly likely now that, that Aaron Rodgers will end up in our division playing for the Jets. It's been yeah. uh, an interesting few days. Let's start with the Jets. Like, how do you feel about that? Because for me, I think that you know this could be a Jetsy move that just ends badly like they're going to draft I don't think it'll be a lot of compensation I don't think necessarily it's going to be more than like one 
um, they're, they're maybe their um, 13th pick or, you know, maybe a, a, a round two pick. I don't think it's going to be loads of capital, but I feel like if they do it, then I'm not too sure whether that necessarily still gets them over the line. Like obviously, prior to this season, he was back-to-back MVP. Um, it's just the baggage and the personality and, you know, being in that market. I just can see it ending in tears. And that's not me because I'm a Bills fan. You know, it's a rival. I've got a biased opinion of this. I want it to fail type of thing. I just, if you park that aside, I just think all of those components going into it, I just think that it's kind of, it could be destined for failure. I think it's more likely to end that way than actually if they if they've got a Derek Carr or if they've got someone else, uh, even a Jimmy G, maybe. I'm not saying Jimmy G's a better player. I'm not saying... You know, Jimmy G's a long-term, you know, solution at quarterback for the Jets. I just think that, you know, this could potentially end in tears uh, for the Jets. Like, I see why they're doing it and why they're taking that gamble and why they're trying to get this guy because this regime, if if they don't make this work, whatever quarterback they pick, they're probably out of jobs, so they've got to take a swing like this. But I don't know. What do you think? I just feel like there's more chance of this ending in tears than actually having success and, you know, making yourselves a, a bona fide you know, AFC contender. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating one. Um, firstly, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the player that he was. I know he had those sort of two MVP seasons. I thought last season he looked pretty yeah. average, and certainly the Bills didn't take too much damage from him when he when he came to Buffalo. Um, do I think he makes the Jets better? Yes, absolutely. D- do, does the Jets roster look like it's kind of a quarterback away? Kind of does honestly. It's it's a pretty solid roster. You know, the, the quarterback yes. is a big big hole. Do I think though that Aaron Rodgers' ego and his pers- cult personality is going to cause problems? Absolutely, I do. I mean, he's got to learn a new offense, which is going to you know always takes time, and he's going to be put into a very very different culture. And it's clear to me, you know, you see with uh, Woody Johnson taking his entire crew out to California to meet with Rodgers that. Rogers is pulling the shots here. And I think that's always dangerous to have a quarterback that has such a dominant position in an organization because he's not going to be caring about the future of the Jets. So do I think there's a really good chance it blows up more mightily in their faces? I do, honestly. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's not because of the talent of Alan Rodgers or the talent of that roster. On paper, it it, it makes sense for them to, to try and yeah. solve that problem through free agency. But it's Rogers that I don't trust. I just think he's he, it's all the baggage, as you said, that comes with him. Now, is it yeah. going to make the Jets a harder opposition? Absolutely. Does it mean that we could yeah. lose two games to Jets? It does. It, you know, honestly, it does. It, they're, they're good enough. They beat us once last season with with Zach Wilson for goodness' Zach sake. Wilson. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, but do I think that makes them a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't. I, I just don't see it. I think that there's too much baggage with Rogers. It's going to take too t- too long to game to acclimatize. He's on a physical decline. And I think, honestly, the the Packers trading him right now is is a smart move. Um, I think the price is going to be more like for two first one first round picks. To be honest, um, I can see that's what the the Packers will be asking. It sounds like the Packers are kind of pissed off with him and want out, him out as well. Well, that tells you everything yeah, you need to definitely. know. Um, this is a guy that they've had as their franchise quarterback for fifteen years. So if they're at that wits end with him, do I see issues with him and Robert Saylor? Yes, <laughs> I just do. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes the the division more interesting. It makes it more competitive. It makes it more difficult. It makes it more entertaining. I don't see them as long-term Super Bowl contenders with Aaron Rodgers at um, a quarterback. Um, 
and maybe we're oversimplifying it, but I don't know. The guy's come out of a cave for four days and his, and his revelation is, I need to go and play for New York Jets. That doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> it just doesn't feel yeah. right. <laughs> and, you know, him person... taking this amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Just, no, just... I, I totally agree. Like, if you've got to go through those lengths like to, to decide, it's not only just whether he wants to play for the Jets, because I don't think he's going to be at the Packers regardless, but do you want to play for the Jets or do you want to retire? If you're thinking, even considering retirement at all, I think that goes to show that maybe that's what you should do because as soon as you start thinking about retirement, you're, you're pretty much there, aren't you? Like, yeah. So I just, yeah, for, for those reasons, I just don't think it will necessarily work long-term for them. So, yeah, that's my opinion on, on the uh, Rodgers, um, you know, potentially coming into our division. Um, Lamar Jackson thinks interesting. I know you didn't mention it just there, but yeah, just the but whole right. standoff and what happens yeah. there, like, I think yeah, Lamar that's, that's has backed himself domino. into a corner here because I think he's got thinks he's got a bigger market than he does, and I think that people are always going to be cautious about his injury, uh, his likelihood of injuries because of his playing style. And does somebody really think they're going to want to just turn Lamar into a pocket passer? That's not his. That's not. I mean, yes, he's perfectly solid at that. In fact, I think he's got a pretty good record of that. But are you get the most out of Lamar Jackson if you turn him into a pocket passer. I don't think so. So I think that he's backed himself into a corner. I think not having an agent has really hampered hampered him. Um, and I suspect he's going to be back at the Ravens on a smaller deal than he thought, and um, he's going to be a bit grumpy. Um, that's how I see this playing out. I mean, no one's going to want to pay him that that's guaranteed money. You know, no one's going to want to mm. pay him that guaranteed money, and I think eventually he's going to realize that the best deal on the table is the Ravens, or he maybe even sits out a year. I could imagine yeah. that. I mean, that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, you know, somebody desperate I next think... year. <laughs> I think some way, somehow, like, I think the worst case is he signs that tag and then walks next season. Like, I don't feel like, you know, maybe the the Ravens kind of, you know, in Lamar's mind, like, if there's no other avenues to go because, you know, the teams aren't prepared to pay the guaranteed money. I think the bridges are burned there. I think if he was to return, it'd be one year. It'd be to try and get his value up as much as possible, stay as injury-free as possible, you know, have the most productive season he can. And then, so they can't franchise tag him again. That, that's it after this season. Yeah. So worst case in his mind would probably be to play for another season and then to test the free agency market. But it, it does, I would... You know, there's reports coming out to say that the quarterback needy teams, they're not wanting him. But that's yeah. clearly smokescreen. I think a number of these teams would want him. Um, whether they, you know, pay as much as what the Ravens are prepared to pay, who knows? But I know we talked about it just when we were texting this week, but I look at the commanders as a perfect team. Like, just because this regime, like, they're... they're, they're the complication with this is a regime, but if you take the sorry, not the regime, the complication is the ownership and the fact that they're they're looking to sell potentially Dan Schneider and that team. They're selling, they're looking to sell it. Um, so I think that's the complication here. But you look at Ron Rivera and the offenses he's had. You look at the fact that what well, it's his third or fourth year and they've not really made much progress at all. Um, you know he's on the hot seat as well as though you know the GM and all of the people around him. Um, are they really going to roll with Sam Howell after one game? I doubt it. And the biggest thing for me, that pick 16, it's not really viable to, you know, if you're to move, you look at the 49ers when they drafted Trey Lance, from 12 to 33, they had to give up three first-round picks. If you're only having to give up two for Lamar Jackson and you're at, um, you know, 16th position in the draft, you know, to 
move into a range to get a quarterback in this draft, you're going to have to give at least two or three first round picks up. So you might as well just give the two to the Ravens for Lamar and pay him whatever he wants. You know, the, the complication is, as I said, is ownership that's looking to sell? Are they willing to spend a lot of money on a quarterback? Possibly not, but that just makes more sense to me. And I think a number of these teams, who knows, even the Patriots, you know, you look at Patriots, you even look at the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins have given... Uh, Lamar, Lamar plus Bill Belichick but, doesn't feel like a match made in heaven to me. <laughs> it just I don't does. know. It really but does He's not. on a hot seat as well. You know, what, what happens if the Patriots, after this season, they fail to make the playoffs again? You know, they, they only win seven, eight games and they're not in a position to draft a quarterback you know what happens with Belichick long term but how much rope has he got um for having Brady for 20 years or something I think you know? I think he's got Just, another year in him maybe Max and I think he'll, he'll that's, what, that's what that's what I'm up. saying like he yeah. knows that probably you know so uh yeah it, it is interesting with Lamar um I feel like Panthers going to the first overall pick I think it makes sense for them um you know I think what they gave up isn't actually that bad as what a lot of people are saying like, well, how do you I, feel about it? So, in terms of what they they gave up, I think it's it's cheap if they find their answer for franchise quarterback, and it's expensive if they don't. And nobody knows the answer to that. Um, yeah. And we're projecting out in terms of who they pick and and what kind of quarterback that that individual is going to turn into in the NFL. I do think it's a good environment for a rookie quarterback to go to the Panthers. I think that well, I think a lot of Frank Reich. Um, and I think he was slightly hard done by it, honestly, at the at the, the Colts. I'm not sure what else he he really had options to do. Um, so I think that I feel you know no matter who, who knows what which way they're going to go, C.J. Stroud or well whomever. But I think um, it's a good option for the Panthers. They've obviously fallen in love with somebody um, in the draft. Yeah, and um, you know they've got an impatient owner. And I think it's, yeah. it's it's a pretty good answer. I think it, I think I think it's a pretty fair deal. I think the Bears are going to be able to enrich enrich their roster nicely as well. And I think they'll be yeah. they'll be an improving uh, uh, team in that NFC North division. I think um, it's going to you know you see the Thielen leaves the the uh, the Vikings. You Vikings, see Rogers yeah. probably on his way out at Green Bay. That division is going to be a little weaker, and I think it's going to be more competitive. The, the Ryan's are obviously on a rise. I think it's going to shuffle that division up quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I think the, I think it's a quite a fair deal, honestly. I think that it works for, works for yeah. both teams. And I think the best bit for the Bears is the fact that they've got DJ Moore, who I think is a borderline wide receiver one. I think he probably he is a he's going to be a wide receiver one for the Bears. I think he's probably you know in that top ten, top twelve conversation of you know the best wide receiver in the league. I think that it's kind of similar to Diggs coming over from the Vikings yeah. Yeah. to us. I feel like it's a similar trade that you know you look at the wide receiver free agency class. Kobe Myers is a top one. He's not on the same level as DJ Moore, and DJ Moore's contract as well was really. Um, I think uh, Christian Kirk is on a bigger contract than what he is, and we know DJ Moore's a better player than Christian Kirk so I just think value wise in terms of the fact that there's going to be limited options in free I think the best component for the Bears is actually getting DJ Moore as part of not only the two second round picks and the trades uh, you know pick swap but a first round pick as well it's always valuable so yeah um, I think it, I think it's a fair trade on both sides I really do because the, as you said the Panthers you know Tepper they've gone through what Darnold and um, Mayfield and also, Frank Reich, you think of, you know, uh, Philip Rivers and uh, Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz, you know, they're 
but probably both are sick as each other of you know bringing these these veterans and you know uh, trying to get the best out and trying to get some meaningful production. So at least if you've got a rookie, you're going to have time to develop them. I think Frank Reich's got that ability to do that. So I think it's a win-win really between the Bears and the Panthers. I think it's a good trade for both. So yeah. it's really exciting, you know, as we talk about. Cool, great, isn't it? The NFL, I mean, like. You know, nothing replaces games. Games are the pinnacle and, you know, being in season is a pinnacle. But free agency and the draft itself, they're not that far off. They're really close. I still have a great amount of enjoyment watching college film and, you know, evaluating these prospects. And free agency, the first two, three days of that and the news and the shock waves that come from that, you know, it's always entertaining and fun. So, um, you know, I, I'm st- it's still a really exciting part of the uh, NFL calendar. Yeah, uh, I so completely agree. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. It's been, uh, I've just been sort of, uh, yeah, absorbing as much content as I can in the last couple of weeks. It's been fascinating. And uh, yeah, my energy levels are really back up after that sort of disappe- disappointing Bills exit yeah. in the playoffs. Um, it's all Definitely. exciting and interesting. The Bills are part of that story, but they're not the only part. And there's lots of interesting stuff happening. Fantastic. Well, we better call it a day. We've been we've been talking for quite some time. So thank you for anyone that sort yeah. of had the patience to stick with us as we've uh, we've rambled on. But uh, a lot going on, as you might appreciate. Uh, we will be back soon with, uh, with more free agency and draft content. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do. We are billsfromafar at gmail.com or billsfromafar on Twitter. I am Charlie on School Sport. He is Tim Rose 90. Until next time, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.